Welcome to The Elusive Consumer. Today, Ellie is recording live from Future Festival in Toronto. She's speaking with multiple guests, including Melissa Austria from Got Style, Deborah Amato from NASA, Fareed Farouk from Dubai World Trade Center, Oscar Mesa from Koppel Group, Raj Aurora from Just Funky, and Stephen Hellman from The Foodies Group. In this first interview, Ellie speaks with Melissa Austria about fashion retail and how the pandemic has impacted men's fashion and dressing habits. Welcome to the Elusive Consumer, Melissa from Got Style. Thank you so much. It's so good to have you here today at the Future Festival. What yep. are your thoughts? Um, whenever I'm hearing about new technology, it always blows my mind. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, how can I use that in a practical sense in our business to make our customers' lives better? Right. That's a great way to think. I was noticing there on your lanyard that it says, dress better, do better. Yes. Tell us about, <laughs> about that. Well, we're retail, um, but more specifically, we have women's, but we're definitely skewed towards men. Okay. And I feel that men, especially after COVID, are definitely the ones that need to learn that you can't slide into this slobification that's happening right now. Tell me about and it. And we need to start dressing better to do better. I thank you from the <laughs> bottom of my heart. Could you just talk to every man out there Seriously. across generations? Exactly. Please. Yep. It's uh, it's getting bad, and we need to get we need to bring it back again to how it should be. Men need to start dressing like men, mm -hmm. and not like frat boys anymore. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, what's your role at the organization? Oh, I'm uh, the owner and founder. So, of the what made you think of this idea? Of the name or the or the business idea in general? Again, it's uh, strictly. Finding uh, a problem and trying to solve it. Mm. So we've been around for 18 years. Wow. So a long time. Wow. Um, so when I first started in the business, again, it was at a stage where men dressed like crap. Mm -hmm. So it was all, you know, boxy three-button suits, pleated pants, right. Eddie Hardy t-shirts and True Religion jeans. Right. So as a woman... I was tired of men looking like this because I was working for a company that we went to, um, we did a lot of Danish and Scandinavian brands. Oh, nice. So I was heading over to Denmark and Sweden all the time. Right. Seeing how men were dressed and was like, why can't men in Toronto dress like this? Such a big difference. I grew yeah. up in Sweden, so oh, I know all what you're you talking You understand. About. I perfectly understand. Like when you came here, you're like, what, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened here? What went wrong? I'm sorry, Toronto. Yes. And the rest, and the rest of North America really right absolutely like the US is just as bad oh, if not worse <laughs> I actually live in the San Francisco Bay Area where I was not used to the West Coast relaxed approach as much as I thought I would enjoy it yeah. I do miss the suits of you know London just, and yes yes or yes. even just clothes that fit properly on men <laughs> I know so you founded this organization, was it 18 years ago? 18 years. Wow. <laughs> and then how has times changed? How has consumer behavior changed throughout that period? It's so funny because, you know, obviously being, you know, at a trend show talking about technology, it's more as things grow faster, there's more to a return to the old-fashioned way. I'm finding that my customers really do want that high-touch, high-service world 
but it's trying to use technology to make it faster and easier for them. Mm. But with people saying that, you know, retail's dead, everyone wants to shop online, I disagree with that. I think people still want to shop in the store, but it's about, you know, the experiences. Um, we do a ton of a party, ton of parties, tons of events to try to build that community mm -hmm. within our store. Right, right. There was a lot of talk about that, and we touched upon that earlier. That building a community with your customers, how are you finding that, and how do you do that through marketing and through social media? Talk us through about, um, about that. It's a combination of both, but mm -hmm. the best way is from when myself or my team are on the sales floor and they're building that connection with the customer. Mm. So when we do events, we can target them directly to them. Mm. Um, so we've done like single events, we've done big parties, we've done um, more niche dinners. We did a, a Godfather themed dinner. Wow. Um, that had a murder mystery I love that. <laughs> happening. That sounds like a lot of fun. So just different things that since we know our customer, now it's a matter of getting those data points putting them into a program and then using, you know, AI and CRM to pull that up so we don't have to mentally think about it all the time, but mm -hmm. getting that down to that niche level of what our customers want. Right. So it sounds like you're incredibly data driven and you use that data to create better products and services. We are getting better at it. I think the biggest issue is that all companies have so much data yeah. <laughs> and we don't know what to do with it. Right. But I can see the practical applications now with AI mm -hmm. that I don't need to have a programmer to figure this out. I mm -hmm. can, if I can use the right prompts, I mm -hmm. can get AI to put together some, you know, different categories of my customers for me. That makes sense. So you're finding this festival helpful and useful for you and your industry? I think um, if you're not learning and not growing, no matter what industry that you're in, then you're going to be left behind. Absolutely. Melissa, I have a couple of fun questions okay. to ask you. <laughs> okay, bear with me. Let's see, which one should we pick here? If there was a Netflix series made about your life, what would it be called? <laughs> Who would play you? And why? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, definitely being around for 18 years, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I think um, as an entrepreneur, if you're not bankrupt at least once and you're not successful. Right, right. It's all about failing it's, to succeed. Yep. Um, the name of it would be, I think it would be, we actually talked with my staff about trying to do a reality show because... Right. I don't think people understand what goes into retail. Mm. There's so much um, back-end work. My team have their own personalities. So we definitely have talked about doing a, our own reality show. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's like also making over the customers, having that in the show as well, and sort Absolutely. of telling about their story. Right. Because it's amazing how clothing can transform somebody. So um, something along that line about... Uh, a new type of queer eye for the straight guy. I love it. I <laughs> but with love our, it. kind of our staff being at the forefront of it. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> you touched about something that's actually quite important. Um, you mentioned how clothing can transform an individual, which is something I think a lot of people forget. So there's been talks about um, clothing and how you dress and mental health. Yes. And especially during the pandemic, people were working from home, potentially not dressing up, not going to an office, they're not needing to dress up. And 
there was a study that showed that that had an impact on their health and 100%. how they viewed themselves. And there was a note about even something as simple as putting on a bit of perfume could heighten your day. What yeah. are your thoughts there? Well, for me, um, because I did a lot of Zoom calls, just because trying to always learn about new technology and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny how at the beginning of the pandemic, people made an effort. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, I would have calls with people, like for women, no makeup on, hair in like a top bun, like mm -hmm. looks like they just rolled out of bed. And I, I totally agree. Um, there's something about that aspect of getting up in the morning, having a shower, putting on clothes and going to work. Right. That I think if you're at home, you still have to do a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Still have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Put on different clothes versus the ones that you just Please woke people, up on. shower. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I can 100% see with people that I know that just work from home, yeah. how they really kind of went crazy once the world opened up again, mm -hmm. or they went the opposite way and they right. have become a hermit. Right. And they're not leaving their house. So I can definitely see 100% affects your mental health. Right. For right. sure. Okay. From a serious to a more fun topic again. <laughs> One last fun question. Okay, let's see. If you had to trade places with another person, who would it be and why? Ooh. <laughs> That's a hard I, one. That's a hard one. I'm going to think of all. <laughs> let's take a step and think about it. <laughs> I think one person in a weird way would kind of be Elon Musk, only because <gasps> he's so polarizing <laughs> and so smart at the same time. He's such an incredibly <laughs> intelligent person. So but I also, get that rubs people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be kind of fun to be in his shoes for a while to to see how his <laughs> brain <a> thinks. <laughs> for a while, not forever. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, thank Melissa, you. for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to have you. Perfect. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Next, Ellie speaks with Deborah Amato from NASA about innovation, diversity, and inspiring the next generation. All right. Hi, and right? welcome to the Future Festival. It, what um, brings you here today? Hold on one well, second. I not, am um, really excited about the oh. opportunities that uh, for our future. Um, we've been working with AI for a, a long time, but you know, it's the very narrow AI um, focused AI, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm just really here to get inspired and, um, and reinvigorated um, to push forward innovation. Nice. And you've been here before. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your role, your company, and why innovation is key for your organization. Well, I work for NASA, mm -hmm. Goddard Space Flight Center in particular, mm -hmm. and my role is um, I lead the New Opportunities Office, mm -hmm. and uh, Within my group, we um, we develop advanced concepts and and proposals for new missions, mm -hmm. uh, for future missions, and um, and we capture. We're we're focused on strategic planning, um, forecasting, and capture of new work. So um, innovation is uh, it, it's in our blood. Innovation is really in uh, in the atmosphere at NASA. Absolutely. That's what we're all about. Um, but uh, there's also the side that um, we're an organization that's been around for a long time, mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot of um, a lot of methods and process and uh, bureaucracy buildup. And so, 
So we need to always be looking for where can where can we innovate not only in our products um, and our missions, but in our processes. Absolutely. And this year's theme for this festival was the year AI changes you. Do you believe this is the year that AI changes NASA? Uh, I, it, yes, as has been said many times, uh, the genie is out of the bottle. Right. And um, yes, and uh, so NASA has a digital transformation initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at um, uh, changes across the agency, mm-hmm. as well as um, within projects within um, the various centers, we're looking at um, at things that we can do with AI and machine learning, and um, and to really build on what we've done in the past. Uh, we've our, the missions that we um, that we've produced have always had autonomy, always incorporated mm-hmm. what we could. But this is, I think, this is the jumping off point where it's just going right. to open. You know, the possibilities are just going to open up. Right. And you mentioned partnership earlier. Can you Mm -hmm. talk us through some of the exciting partnerships that you have going on at the moment that will push innovation agenda? Well, so we, um, for our missions at Goddard, we partner um, with academia, with industry, with other NASA centers, with other uh, government labs mm-hmm. and um, and organizations, mm-hmm. and so we're w- while we can uh, do end to end mission design development operations, uh, we don't go it alone. We're we're always partnered, and um, so we're v- keenly interested in leveraging um, other other people's work and and building on that. So being able to identify what um, what capabilities are available right. and leverage leveraging those for our for our benefit for for our increased efficiency right and how long have you been with the organization so i've been at nasa for 30 years wow so you've seen many changes throughout time so we often talk on our podcast the elusive consumer about differences in consumer behavior now versus a few years ago, particularly with the pandemic. What sort of changes in behavior have you seen at your organization? So the pandemic was a an, another, you know, AI is an inflection point mm-hmm. um, for us, but the pandemic was an inflection point as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a time when we were forced to find new ways of doing things. Right. Um, we were forced to have geographically distributed collaboration, right. even to more of an extent than we had uh, before. And um, I think that the the change, the real change is um, um, the flexibility that, that we saw, the flexibility in work schedules and work location. Um, I think the, 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 the average employee appreciated that and wants right. that to continue. Right. But we're also seeing coming now coming out of that period, we're also seeing um, people wanting to be back together, wanting mm-hmm. to have more in-person, face-to-face interactions. Yeah. And especially like our um, 
our fresh outs, our, our uh, next generation. Right. Um, how do we, we're, you know, we're looking at how do we um, mentor these people? How do we, um, how do we incorporate them into NASA seamlessly mm-hmm. when we're not with each other every day? Right. right. You talked about something important here in terms of different generations. And we've heard at this festival all about the difference between boomers and Gen X and Gen Z. Do you encounter a lot of that cultural differences and um, generational differences at, at your organization as well? Um, yes, we do. Um, so one thing that's really important is uh, for NASA is diversity. So diversity and inclusion. Inclusion is one of our core values. And um, so it's it's really important to get the different perspectives from different generations, from different life experiences, different disciplines. Um, and so that's something that we really try to build on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely, uh, you definitely see, um, you know, differences in perspective from the different generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to the discussion about uh, on-site work, mm-hmm. off-site work, the, dealing with the with the pandemic um i think there's a you can you can generalize um with the um with the generations Mm -hmm. on their perspective on whether on-site work is necessary not necessary um but i really think that we're all going to have to um come to a compromise around hybrid work um right that's a very interesting point, talking about the qualities of remote, hybrid, and going back into office. What is that reality like at NASA? Well, so there are certain things that have to be done on site. Right. So um, if someone's in the lab doing mm-hmm. an experiment or in the uh, integration and testing where they're right. putting the spacecraft together and, and taking it through vibration testing or thermal mm-hmm. vacuum testing, that has to be done in person. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in your garage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so there's some things that have to be done there. Right. There are other things, um, say structural analysis or thermal analysis that can be done remotely, mm-hmm. but where finding the sweet spot of where you have the right amount of in-person interactions with your team mm-hmm. to make sure that you're advancing at, um, at a good pace. Right. And talking about advancing, NASA being such an established organization, do you feel like you're agile enough and flexible enough to keep up with the fast-paced environment that we're in? So um, agility is very important Mm -hmm. and um, adaptability is very important. Um, I mean, we shall see. Uh, NASA has been... um, NASA has been very successful uh, for many years, and and I don't foresee, um, you know, I don't foresee that changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I also agree with you that like if we don't if we don't pay attention mm-hmm. to trends and and changing the changing environment mm-hmm. and uh, that we find ourselves in, um, there could be areas that we're that are at risk. So we, we definitely have to, um, you know, focus and. Right. And how do you 
gather feedback, if at all, at the moment? Gather feedback uh, as an organization? Right. Or, right. Uh, so... Um, so I'll just talk from my perspective, sure. from my position. Um, I have a lot of audiences mm-hmm. or a lot of stakeholders in that I'm trying to communicate to. Mm-hmm. So I have my leadership. You know, I've got my internal leadership that right. that has to um, approve of and embrace uh, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Then I have NASA headquarters, mm-hmm. um, and and they they have to be invested in what we're doing. And then we have Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, so Congress has to be willing to support NASA activities. And then ultimately, it's the general public, right. uh, the taxpayer, who it benefits from what we're doing ultimately. That's, we're, we're doing this for the, um, for the greater good for humanity. You know, we're, we're, we're studying the universe and making discoveries to better uh, life on Earth. So, um, so, so, I, back to your question, right. um, um, it's, sometimes it's difficult to answer all of those audiences, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and get feedback on all of those things, but, um, uh, but we definitely, we do try to, um, survey, mm-hmm. um, all of those audiences. Right, right. And it's so interesting because... For senior leaders such as yourselves, you do have to be able to connect with different types of levels of stakeholders. How do you find telling your story to a C-suite versus a government versus general public? Like, how do you adapt and connect with those different audiences? I can't even imagine. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I think... I think we really try to simplify the message right. and right. Um, and get to the uh, you know get to the real core, the real meaty mm-hmm. um, piece. And if that doesn't resonate, you know, like if it doesn't resonate with a a, a general you know a general public right. person, it's it's not going to resonate with a C-suite person mm-hmm. either. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you do have to you do have to adjust your message, mm-hmm. but really, if you don't, if you if you haven't if you haven't gelled it down to the to the core simple message, right. then you you can muddy the waters with whoever you're talking to. Absolutely, that's a very critical point in terms of having an objective in mind and making sure that you're telling that story clearly enough. Uh, we talk about that all the time in research. Um, I want to go back to the team aspect. So we talked about cultures, we talked about generations. Let's talk a little bit about upskilling. So we've heard at this festival about different levels of beginner AI and you know advanced and so forth. Where do you feel your organization sits? Do you think it's spreading the knowledge of innovation and AI or do you think it sits mostly at certain levels at the moment? Um, so I think at the moment we are in narrow AI. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the AI that we are using is for very specific, uh, uh, you know, very specific application, very specific um, results and needs that we're right. using it for. Right. Um, and 
and we're on the precipice of right. being able to expand there. And so one, one concern that I actually have for mm -hmm. that is that we're going to have to be careful because there are considerations that we, we have to make as NASA mm -hmm. uh, when we're protecting life or um, sending a billion dollar uh, James Webb Space Telescope um, out, right. out into the solar system. Um, we, we need to be able to trust the tools that we're using and understand um, what their decision making is based on. So, um, so I think we do, and that's been ta talked about here at the festival. Right. Is we do have to have the ethical mm -hmm. and um, and the the framework under, uh, understanding of the framework right. of the AI we're using. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal journey. I mean, okay. when we're young, who doesn't dream about being an astronaut or working at NASA? And you're living the dream of so many of us. So talk us, where did you start? Like, did you start thinking about this is what I really want to do? Or how did you end up at NASA? Well, I was fascinated with um, planes and flight, uh, mm -hmm. air flight, uh, from a very young age. And also, I was fast, curious about astronomy, fascinated with astronomy. Right. And um, and somehow, it just grew into a fascination with mm -hmm. space and mm -hmm. um, and that sort of thing. And I had various experiences as a child um, that just led me to aerospace engineering as, the, as what I wanted to study. Um, also, I like to tell the story that my mother is a chemist and my father is an electrical engineer. Oh. So I thought that I would be a chemical engineer when I, um, <laughs> when I grew up. Uh, but anyway, uh, honed in on aerospace engineering. And I did want to be an astronaut for a period. Mm -hmm. uh, but then in 1986, with the Challenger, Space Shuttle Challenger accident, right. Um, I decided... I think I want to be the engineers on the ground, sending <laughs> folks into space. Right. So um, then I had an opportunity as an undergraduate to get a space grant internship at NASA and jumped at the opportunity. Of course. And um, it was an amazing experience because I actually got to work on um, a mission development. Mm. So the high energy... Um, solar physics mission was in formulation okay. and um, I, as an intern I was allowed to contribute to that so that was that was just thrilling as a oh, yeah. you know as a yeah. student um, and then um, you know through that experience I became known and and was hired mm -hmm. um, at NASA and uh, I've my claim to fame mm -hmm. is that I have um, hardware that I've worked on is in orbit around the earth Wow, that's quite the legacy. <laughs> and especially from uh, a female as well in, in that sort of leadership position, it's very great to see and wonderful for girls growing up, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. We appreciate how busy you must be. So thank you for taking the time and it's been a blast. All right, thank you so much. Next, Ellie talks with Farid Farouk from Dubai World Trade Center about event venues and conferences and how AI can enhance customer experiences. Hi, Farid. Welcome Hi. to the Elusive Consumer. We're so happy to have you with us today here at the Future Festival. Uh, hi, Ellie. I'm really thrilled to do this podcast. 
Uh, I like being at the Future Festival. It's such a, you know, uh, it gives you like really, you know, a, a taste of what's going to happen in life, what's going to happen with technology, how is it going to, you know, have an impact on every aspect of our life. Talk to us about what you do, Farid. Uh, Ellie, I work at Dubai World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. We are uh, an exhibition and conferences venue. We organize events ourselves. Uh, this is one of our uh, main business uh, in Dubai. Uh, we host uh, big shows, uh, like uh, we, host, we host one of the biggest technology shows worldwide, uh, the biggest food show worldwide. Millions of visitors come to our venue every year. That sounds great. And what brings you to the U.S. beyond this festival? Or Canada, rather? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been to this festival five years ago. Okay. I found it really, uh, you know, an uh, eye-opening to what's happening in the world. Besides, you tend to really network with great minds here. That's something you don't get if you really uh, look at a speech online. So you network with people, talk to them, see their aspiration, how they are utilizing technology in their workplace and uh, it's really uh, something I look forward to do from time to time. So you mentioned technology and the theme of this year is the year AI changes you. Tell us how you're currently using AI in your business. See, uh, we are in the business of hosting people to come for events, you know, and uh, it's important uh, service come at the top priorities for what we do. Uh, customer experience is important. Uh, we are planning to utilize AI to provide a better customer experience, uh, to provide better content for our visitors, and also provide ease of uh, productivity and provide efficiency for our uh, staff to be able to do their job better. And that means we will serve the customers better. So it excites you. This new era is not frightening, but rather exciting yeah, for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, every era has its uh, new trends coming up. Uh, the, we have no choice. We can either make two choices here. Either we become pessimistic about it and worry what's going to happen to our job, what's going to happen to the world and so on. Or forget about that, put that aside, and look at it positively. How it's going to make our life better, how it's going to make our work better, and so on. So I tend to really look at the positive side. Uh, I'm not claiming I'm a really optimistic person, which I try to be, uh, but uh, you have no choice but to look at the positive side of these things. Okay. I have one last question for you, Farid, and it's uh, a little bit different. I ask this of all my guests. If there was a theme song that would play every time you walked out, what song would that be for you? If there is a... Hmm. <laughs> it can be any I, song. <laughs> I was so ready for all your questions today. Except, except this. for this one. <laughs> I mean, uh, I kind of like boxing. Okay. And uh, whenever one of my favorite boxers come inside, you know, uh, there's certain songs play and mm -hmm. that songs really increase your adrenaline power and so on. So, I mean, there is no specific uh, song, but uh, one of my favorite mo movie is Rocky. Uh, uh, it's an I old time the movie. <laughs> yes. 
So let's say that. <laughs> Wonderful. It's been a pleasure having you on our show. Thank you for joining, Fareed. Likewise. I enjoyed talking to you. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. And up next, Ellie speaks with Oscar Mesa from Koppel Group to discuss understanding local consumers and embracing innovation. Hi, Oscar, and welcome to the Elusive Consumer here at the Future Festival. So Thank good you to so have much. you. Thank you so much for the invitation. <laughs> what brings you here? What brings well, you to the festival? Well, we are we are looking for new trends in, in our company, and we are eager to see what is happening today in the in the retail world. No, for, right. That's why we are here. <laughs> right, and you're with Koppel. Tell us a little bit about your organization. Yeah, for sure. Koppel Group is a retail retail and financial services store. In Mexico, we have a wide uh, range of products and services around the, the, the country. We have operations in Argentina also, and we basically are serving the, ma the massive consumer in Mexico. So we have more than 15, uh, 15 million customers in Mexico. Uh, we, we gave them credit to purchase products, and, and also we have a bank and a pension fund, so we are large. <laughs> I understand. And what, what is the difference between consumers, do you think, in Mexico and here in the United States? What would you say is the main difference? Well, that, that's a difficult question. <laughs> I, I guess every consumer is different in every country. No? We, we are trying to fulfill their needs. And in the case of Mexico, in the case of the consumer that we are targeting, we are basically just to fulfill their, their needs and desires today. So basically... Uh, we try to, 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 to make a better life for them, bringing them uh, the basic stuff like furniture, clothing, and also access to credit. No? So I will say that we are, uh, of course, we are closer to the United States, but in, in, the, in the terms of uh, habit, we are very different. No? Makes sense. In terms of trying to understand those consumers and the customers of yours, how do you do that? Do you conduct any research? How do you approach it? And do you use any technology for that? Yeah, we, we have uh, different ways of approaching our customers. In the case of the, the team I run, this, which is the innovation team, we are use a lot of co uh, consumer-centric uh, methodologies. No? We, we are trying to be very close with our customer. We are use design thinking, uh, service design. We have a lot of hours uh, of interviews being in their homes and in the store. So basically, we, we are gathering all information direct from them. And that information, we try to, to put it in, in to, to find uh, the, uh, the job to be done with them and also to create new solutions for our customers. So basically, we are uh, together with our customer in the things that we are creating. No? That's brilliant. You need to stay close to them to exactly. be able to better service them, right? Exactly. That's that's what we, what we are aiming to. <laughs> brilliant. And in terms of staying close to your customers, you know, this festival is all about trying to engage better with your customers in the future. How do you feel in your industry about everything that's going on with AI and new innovation in your space at the moment and what that might do for your vertical? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot of information. It's right. it's, it's uh, I was talking with my with my partner, with, which is also here. That it's a lot of information to digest, but we we need to start. No, so no, we need to figure it out how to to use these all these trends on AI, how to embrace it and make it very clear for a customer. As I told you, we are very focused in the low income consumer in Mexico. So all this kind of technology can help us to try to iterate and maybe find a way to make it useful for us and for the consumer. 
Uh, but uh, the main lesson for us is to embrace it, try it, and iterate, you know, as we learn. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Is there any particular technology that you've seen that you think is going to be very helpful for you beyond the AI tools? Well, of course, uh, we are very focused on data. You know? So basically all, all, all the algorithms, machine learning, deep learning for us is very important. We are also uh, trying new projects uh, regarding proximity services in our store. We are trying to, to use computer AI to, to do some tests. So we, we, we are eager to try anything in order to fulfill the consumer needs. No? <laughs> Makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about Oscar. <laughs> What is um, what is it that drives you? What is it that makes you wake up in the morning? What's your why? Well, of course, my family, no. But uh, <laughs> t t talking about the the work, uh, I always talk to, uh, talk to my people that you need to have passion for winning, no. And every day uh, there is a new option for us, no. And and I always uh, I'm always talking to them and saying, you know, you you should. You should imagine that you are in a jungle and you have a knife in your mouth and you should go for it no? and, <laughs> and, and, and make things happen. Right. So that's why it, that's, that is driving me every day and, and the motivation to make things happen because that's that our general manner is requiring for us from the innovation team. No, the, I guess that is. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Jeremy here from Trend Hunter had a book about hunters versus farmers. So sounds like you're a hunter <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Very much so. Okay. I'm not going to keep you much, but I have a couple of fun questions that I want to ask. Okay. Let's this has see. nothing to do with innovation, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's see what you think here. So. Apart from your own brand, which brand are you fiercely loyalty, loyal to and why? Why? Uh, I'm a Pepsi fan. <laughs> no? and, and, and I know that, that the innovation head of PepsiCo was here, but I really, uh, I'm a Pepsi fan. <laughs> so can you tell the difference between a Pepsi and a Coke if we did a taste test? Yeah, for me, it's, it's more <laughs> sweet. It, you can tell the difference? Yeah, I, I can tell it's more sweet and for me, it's very uh, tasty, you know? Okay. <laughs> I've actually heard that drinks, soft drinks in uh, Mexico taste differently than in the U.S. Maybe because of the water, ah, I guess. Ah, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, a couple more for you. So, if there was a theme song that was played every time you entered a room, what would that be? Wow. <laughs> uh, in Mexico, there are a lot of regional music, but... In my case, it will be something called Banda, <laughs> which is regional music from the northwest of Mexico. I guess Banda it will be great. Very nice. <laughs> nothing I love uh, it. similar to Taylor Swift or nothing like that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no Taylor Swift fan is here. <laughs> no Swifty. Well, Oscar, before we go, is there anything you want to say to our listeners today? Is there any motto that you have? Is there anything you want to emphasize? Well, uh, I will say that the for for from my personal experience the base of the success is uh, to trust in your team and develop your team so i will encourage anything there is anyone who is listening to this podcast to develop their team don't hesitate to develop your team because they are the base of your results no absolutely culture is everything exactly. i fully agree thank you so much for joining us today oscar it's been a pleasure thank, thank you, you so much take care <laughs> Up next, Stephen Hellman from the Foodies Group discusses all things food. 
events, trends, storytelling, and community building through shared food experiences. Steven, and welcome so much to the Elusive Consumer here at the Future Festival. So happy to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about your role and your company and what brings you here today. Sure. So uh, I have a company called the Foodies Group, which mm -hmm. does pretty much everything food related from like corporate events uh, to public events, festivals, marketing, PR, consulting, you name it. And, uh, and I'm here at Future Festival. We actually mm -hmm. work with Future Festival to put together Trend Safari every year to highlight what is innovating in food. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love just coming to the festival to learn all about innovation and, you know, what to expect in the year ahead. That sounds great. But tell us a little bit about innovation in food. I can't quite put the dots together there. What does that mean? Yeah, innovation in food. I mean, it's so multifaceted, right? Um, you know, right now, when you just kind of look at what's happening in food, robotics obviously playing such a big role in everything from food production to manufacturing to actually like even the deliverability of food. Right. Uh, but then also things like, you know, storytelling, right? Like um, interactive experiences, like that's all part of kind of what's trending as well. Um, being able to kind of share food, tell their story, find creative ways to do that as situations continue to evolve. That all makes sense, but do you find that consumers are open to all of these new experiences or are they a bit hesitant? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know what, I do, I, I do find them open everybody obviously to a different degree right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's almost like the more you learn and the more knowledge you have the more you want to learn so you know even us when we do events like we don't kind of come out hard and expect people to become experts right. after you know attending an event after one day right. but it's just to start to get that knowledge and get them viewing things in a different way right so whether it's a chocolate tasting just getting again maybe a little bit of a basic of understanding how chocolate is produced where it actually comes from again without overwhelming and still allowing you to enjoy that experience mm -hmm. And then again, once you kind of start to open yourself up, if it's something that's of interest to you, you tend to delve in a lot deeper, right? So that makes sense. But talk to us a little bit about not just any consumer, but the elusive consumer. The elusive consumer. Yeah. So if you were to classify in your industry, if yeah. there's a particular group of consumers that are elusive to you and to your business, is there any particular group that you can identify? There are any demographics, any age group, any sort of um, ethnic minorities or, or anything that you can talk us through? Yeah, that's interesting. So, I, I mean, in terms of elusive consumer for my business, I would probably say it's people who don't maybe have the knowledge or want to understand, right? right. They just see food as something that you need to have. <laughs> you need to eat in a day, right. but they don't necessarily care about it, right? Or sure. don't delve really deep into it or have an understanding. Maybe just kind of see it as fuel and nothing more. Of course. Uh, so that maybe is kind of a little bit of the elusive consumer because somebody like that wouldn't necessarily gravitate to what we do because there is more of a sort storytelling element or more of kind of like an interactive element and maybe, you know, they don't want to delve that deep into it. That makes sense. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about Steven. Okay. So. Sure. Before you got into food, yes. what were you doing? I was in business development, actually. So I worked for a series of different companies, everything from entertainment to law firms to concessions, like you name it, to a carpet store, right? Uh, and I've always been interested in developing businesses and in storytelling and in really kind of getting those messages out. Um, so when I saw that you could do that over a series of different things, I really wanted to find my passion. And coming from like an Italian background, food was always at the center of everything that we did. And as Toronto's food scene was just starting to really emerge and become something, 
I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to tell the story of food here in the city. Uh, and so I launched the Foodies Group. And now it's been 11 years. And wow. Yeah, the rest is history. Speaking of Italian food, we've had some excellent Italian food here in, in Toronto. I didn't realize that Toronto is such a diverse, multicultural pot of various types of consumers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about diversity as yeah. well. Yeah. Because that's an important topic that we hear throughout every industry, how to reach various types of audiences. Yeah. Is that a problem that you guys encounter at all? You know, it's funny. I think we're fortunate in food in that food is the great unifier. And food really allows you to tell stories of culture through food, which right. it can be a shared experience, right? Right. Um, but I think that's one of the things, especially in Toronto. So the more I travel, mm -hmm. you know, there's phenomenal food all over the world, right? Right. But one of the things I really do notice about Toronto is our blending of cultures in our food mm -hmm. and how that's represented. And we have such unique dynamics here in the city mm -hmm. that bring together all the different cultures, like you said, that right. exist here in Toronto. And even like within one you know a chef who might be like Filipino and Jamaican or something right. and bringing those two different elements together to cuisine it's really fascinating to see that in Toronto mm -hmm. and to be able to kind of tell the story of culture through food. Nice and one other topic that I want to touch upon that they covered in some of the speaking slots earlier to mor uh, this morning was about the fear of new right. Yes. How do you feel about that as an individual, as an as a professional in this new era of AI? What are your thoughts? Yeah, there? that's that's well, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, there's there's a lot, right? Like people tend to yes, like you said, generally fear the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. They always think of like the worst case scenario, what it can become. If right. you're talking AI, you know, our overlords coming to to rule right. us. Um, but, you know, as per anything, it's like, you know, one of the things I've learned from this conference is really it's innovate or die. Hmm. Right. And, you know, businesses that don't innovate, that don't adapt mm -hmm. tend to be left by the side. And so Absolutely. it is incredibly important to understand. Mm -hmm. Again, not everything is for everyone. Like you do need to, you know, certain elements maybe kind of come into a certain business more than others. Mm -hmm. But innovation is key. And I, even with us in the 11 years, the company has continued to always evolve and innovate. Mm -hmm. And that's what's kept us alive through times like COVID, through, you know, the little lulls, through all right. the changes that are happening. Uh, you know, we're not what we were 11 years ago. And so coming even to this festival every year and learning and, and seeing where things are going and in what direction right. can help your business so greatly. You mentioned something there that um, is a lot on people's minds these days in terms of the pandemic. Yeah. How has that changed consumer behavior for you and your industry? Yeah, to me, it's 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 <laughs> sheer turmoil. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. It has changed so fast and mm -hmm. so often over right. the last few years. Right. And so that's been the most difficult, you know, mm -hmm. going through the stage where, again, people can't get together and all of a sudden everything's virtual. Then people can get back together, but there's still a hesitancy to some people. And so right. we've had to create such unique programming to really hit on every level from virtual right, right through to people wanting to get back together and have big group outings right, mm -hmm. and everything in between. Mm -hmm. So the evolution, I would say, over the last few years has probably been the greatest it's ever been. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, you know, it's exciting. It keeps things exhilarating. It keeps you on your toes. And, uh, yeah, and now, again, you know, post-pandemic, post people do want to start to reconnect. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, there's still sometimes that hesitancy. So you have to have, you know, a lot of different contingencies in place. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like what you mentioned there because it br brings me back to what they were speaking about earlier in, in, in the sense of people long for that sense of community, yeah. right? Whether it's in entertainment or in retail or in food. How do you create that sense of community? community beyond obviously gathering around a meal yeah. which is great but how do you 
how do you try to embed that with your customers? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I think, you know, again, kind of even like bringing certain types of customers together for different experiences. So one is we provide a very diverse range of different experiences and something that kind of touches. So again, if sustainability is something that's important to you, right? right? You know, bringing together events that touch on people who want to learn more about maybe sustainability and practices in farming and such. Right. Others who, you know, again, maybe don't want to learn as much, but still want to have that kind of sense of community. So bringing right. them together for something as simple as a chocolate tasting or cheese right. tasting or something that's very accessible to everyone, right? Sure. So really is, I think, diversifying and doing things in a, a lot of different categories mm -hmm. that touch on different consumers. That's an excellent point. I appreciate it. Before we let you go, and I really appreciate you taking the time, I wanted to ask some of our more fun questions okay. that we've written down. If you bear with me a of few course. moments here. All right. I'm going to pick a couple of these. So if you had the power to bring back one decade from the past like the 40s, 60s, 90s even, that you'd have to live in, and the rest of us as well, with you. Right. What would it be and why? Oh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't been born too long enough to really go back to some of these decades. But honestly, I, it's funny. I, I think we romanticize it, but like the roaring 20s, right? right? Because like that was that age of kind of excess again, partying, mm -hmm. getting people out. And I feel after COVID, that generation is needed more than ever again. That would right? have been a so, fun yeah, era. So. Great outfits And also as great well. outfits, right? <laughs> exactly. Good one. Yeah. Okay, I've got one more for you. If you could eliminate one social media channel forever, which would you choose? And again, why? Oh my gosh, you know, okay, you know what? This question's gonna get me in trouble. Can I say all of them? Right? Because you know what? I just feel like we're living in, again, part of even what we do, like we're living in such a disconnected world, mm -hmm. you know, where it's enough to just kind of sit on social media, look. Yeah feel that you don't belong, feel that you're missing out on things. Right. And I think that's so destructive. It really and then is. it also like deters people after a while from actually going out and doing things again. So, yep. you know, I, to me, I'm, I'm big on getting rid of all and having real connections again, I as crazy as that sounds. You. And no. as much as from a marketing standpoint, I know maybe that's not the I best thing. I know we shouldn't be saying this, right? but I agree with you yeah. there. Because yeah. I think like, you know, I remember even like the days prior to social media mm -hmm. and how you really form true connections with right. people and how important those connections were and they're still important now right but we you know we, we we're not living in the we're moment we're yeah. taking photos of the moment but yeah. we're not actually exactly. enjoying the moment exactly. ourselves yeah. I'm with you 100% yeah. <laughs> let's get rid of all social That's media it, people done. thank you <laughs> and with that I thank you for your time Stephen thank you so much and we'll be back with the next guest thank you it's been a pleasure thank, thank you, you. And last but not least, Raj Aurora shares his passion for fandoms and connecting emotions to products, especially in the anime space. Raj, welcome to the Elusive Consumer here at the Future Festival. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me here today. So Raj, from Just Funky, tell us a little bit about your organization and your role. So what we do is we, we focus on, on, on uh, fandom. Okay. So, uh, uh, Go uh, the emotional connect of of the fans of uh, any kind of genre. You could be a fan of music. You mm -hmm. could be a fan of uh, anime. That's what we focus really on Japanese anime right now. Oh, cool. uh, and uh, we let the uh, the product take it. Take the fans to their experience mm -hmm. of what they the emotional connect to the to the uh, to the TV show or uh, the character. 
Right. So we incorporate emotions into products. Uh, so when somebody drinks out of a coffee mug, it makes them feel a certain way. Interesting. Without any drugs. <laughs> I was going to say, is there anything <laughs> illegal involved here, Raj, uh, that you'd no, like us to tell not exactly. <laughs> How long have you been with the organization? Uh, I've been doing this since, uh, well, I've been in fandom since I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, uh, I started this when I was in high school. Uh, okay. Uh, focusing on, uh, on fandom there. Wow. Wow. Uh, started with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, I am not that old. Okay. All right. Don't, 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 don't age I, me I <laughs> It just flew right by over my head. <laughs> okay. And, and you talked about Japanese anime. Correct. It is so incredibly popular. Why do you think it suddenly got such popularity in the Western markets? Well, I mean, obviously, COVID had a lot to do with it, mm -hmm. with, uh, uh, or the popularity, or, or, or how fast it grew. Right. Uh, but the, the the truth, if you look at it, is uh, anime began back in the '80s, where people were smuggling Japanese uh, video cassettes or DVDs mm -hmm. from uh, Japanese anime and bring it to America and dub it, or people were watching wow. it. Illegally, and they didn't understand what it was, but but it, it spoke to them. Uh, Japanese uh, culture has been restrictive in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. as we all we know. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also uh, is allowed expression in their manga, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, turned into anime, the, uh, the animation part of it. But it allows expression uh, about people. It, it's not uh, when we have in America when we have the superheroes. We're restrictive to a certain kind. We have to be heroes, or we're, we're or we're the villains. But that's that's it. There's mm -hmm. nothing else. But if there's no other genres that you can uh, really uh, express mm -hmm. how you truly feel, which Japanese anime does that. Japanese allows you to feel that in in art. A range of emotions. Absolutely. And do you think that has something to do with the new generations as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, with the individuality and the personal, uh, the, everybody wants personalization. So we uh, are now able to, uh, uh, whoever you are, whatever race you are, whatever, uh, whatever you do, whatever you like, uh, there's something for you. Right. And and you can with the streaming services, you can now go and tap right into to what how it relates to your life. Mm -hmm. There's that much uh, content out there. Wow. And so people can relate to it versus right. just the, the, the traditional media where you're told a certain way to live a certain way, what's wrong and what's right. Right. Where the, 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 the paradox of the, the, the Japanese uh, uh, culture would be is that you're allowed to be whoever you want to be. That's what a beautiful thing Japanese or even just this Asian um, anime, mm -hmm. which is uh, coming in from Korea now, mm -hmm. uh, China, uh, yeah. amazing stuff coming out there. So... In your line of work, you basically live and breathe innovation. Absolutely. What made you so passionate about new things and new trends and all of these things? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, you know, my psychiatrist asks me the same question all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's the. Uh, uh, I particularly don't uh, watch anime or mm -hmm. any of the, 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 the movies and TV shows, but what attracts me and what, what see is, is, the, is the, the fans out there. How, you know, they want to pay more money for that connection. Um, it, it makes me want to, uh, you know, the why is to put, see that smile on the fan's face mm. when they hold that mug and how it relates to them. When I, when I go into 
social media sites and see what people are really talking about uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the product and how it helped them. Uh, you see these NBA uh, uh, players, uh, NFL, you see everywhere. Uh, they, 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 they talk about how the, 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 the shoes that they owned or the T-shirt they owned, how much impact they had in their life. Mm. Um, I just love to be part of that, and I want to do something better for the fans every day. I love that. So you're basically driven by your consumers and the customers. Absolutely. I live and breathe them. <laughs> I, yeah. And what are you learning here at the Future Festival to help improve their lives? Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely opened my eyes. Uh, of, of, uh, the, uh, it gave me the answer of the shift. There's also a shift going on in the industry that what we saw, what we saw in the Japanese or, or indie mm -hmm. uh, 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 cinema, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, ne thanks to Netflix, Hulu, and all these people who brought in. But what, what, what this has done is, is it's actually validated a lot of things, which had the micro trends which were going on a few years ago, how uh, their macro trends and how we can communicate better and do a better job for them is what I felt that, uh, that uh, 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 this, this summit has done a great job. It's only the first day. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and your company, you know, covers many different types of markets and it embodies globalization in a way. What do you think is the future for organizations across all industries in the sense of how they approach the global versus the local consumer? Well, I think, you know, uh, the, the, I think the, it's uh, looking at a market as global is, is a mistake mm -hmm. to look at it. I think it's, I think, I think everything is local. Uh, you know, we, have to uh, every market we go to, uh, every state that we go to. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's, it's uh, there's a, a sense of uh, localizing that to the, the product or the uh, the you got you got to embed yourself in the culture. I can't go to India right. uh, and say uh, I, I expect the same. Uh, the, uh, the fandom, which is in America, will relate over there. It's a different culture. It's a, it's a dubbed a different language, and it, it's a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we have to uh, 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 cater to uh, to the really, really uh, localized uh, culture. That makes a lot of sense. You have to listen to the local nuances and the markets and the perceptions and their thoughts. Um, talk to me about excitement versus fear in this new era that we're living in you know uh, the, uh, the the excitement is greater than fear i think uh, the the uh, excitement that i feel uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, living this this world right now is greater than the fear uh, uh, the only fear i would have is to keep up with it yep uh, but uh, otherwise I, I'm, I'm i'm excited for the future and do you feel that the rest of your team feels the same, or how do you embed that culture within your team? Uh, you know, it's definitely a challenge. Being in a, uh, uh, we we are a small company, and, and we designed our company to be that way. Mm -hmm. We want to be personable. We want mm -hmm. to be uh, catering to people. Um, so we let the freedom, you know, of uh, of uh, the the artists to to express themselves how they feel they should do it. Mm -hmm. We don't restrict that. But what we what we find is that. Um, uh, the teams are, you know, hesitant, and, and rightfully, because it's, it's a lot of fear about AI coming in. Of course. We're a design house, or you, you see the strikes going on, and, and, and you saw 
the events uh, today that what they've talked about, uh, it's going to be uh, coming down to that. Uh, I, I see that the TVs are going to be obsolete in a few years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for a TV manufacturer, it's very scary. But if you're an XR or VR, I think it's, it's exciting opportunities. Or if you're designing for that, but if you're if you are a, um, an actor, mm -hmm. um, you've got fear. So my team is, uh, 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 you know feels that uh, it's going to replace it because they don't understand it yet. Right. Uh, they, they think it's going to take creativity away when, in fact, it's going to add creativity to uh, a product. So now, for example, uh, you know, it's, it's more than what you asked, but I'll just give you a perfect example mm -hmm. of, you know, we do ramen bowls. So, you know, we, we, did, we, we did years ago. Now it's just like it, it's, it's saturated the market. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, so I was thinking of creative ideas. Okay, what do we do and how do we make it more personal? How do we communicate that this means for them. And so uh, uh, sitting here this morning, I said, okay, how do we personalize a, a menu that we can provide for them that a personalized recipe which, which comes through AI mm. and curated, but AI helps because we're not chefs. Mm. So AI is going to help us uh, you know, become more talented, I think. I like it. I'm going to ask I rambled you. On no, no, I, I love it. I'm going to ask you a couple of random questions. Uh, please, please. Bear with me. <laughs> These are very random. That's okay. Okay, so you have the budget and approval to make a Super Bowl commercial for your brand. You can choose any celebrity to appear in the commercial. Who would you choose and why? Um, I wouldn't choose a celebrity. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Uh, I think the consumers are way too smart. Mm -hmm. uh, we're dealing with consumers who have been the smartest consumers we've ever had in, uh, in any of these lifetime mm -hmm. around. Uh, I, I would I would bring somebody from the community that 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 um, uh, that uh, represents their beliefs mm -hmm. to talk to them. I don't need a celebrity to pay the money to uh, to have a fake doctor. That's mm -hmm. not right. Right, me. that's a great answer, and it represents this new generation. Like you said, they prefer the actual user among them, the same people like themselves. I love that. Great answer. Thank you. Okay, let me pick another one. This might be a difficult one to answer, but what's the funniest misconception someone ever had about your brand? I, I really wouldn't consider it a misconception. I think it's, it's we did it and we just uh, didn't evolve fast enough. But, you mm -hmm. know, we've been uh, throughout my career. I've been uh, the, 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 we, we get tied into a genre. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we become too loyal. Uh, to it, uh, so then, then people pigeonhole us that we are a beverageware company, or we are an anime company, or we are a, uh, a music company at that time. But right. but in the, in, in the last uh, 35 years, we've we've been everything. Mm. So that's what's uh, there. But you know, it's our own fault to to do that. So we, we got to evolve faster and uh, make sure that uh, that uh, you know we're serving all markets. Makes you know, sense. Uh, and well, maybe it's a good thing, actually. You know, yeah. We're more focused on our, on our, our fans. Uh, Last question for you, Raj. If there was a theme song that played every time you walked out, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> I'm too sexy for you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Thank you so much, Raj. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>